Yeah. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover with yours truly, Jarrell Mason, a.k.a. Jay Mace, where we get inside the entertainment industry with those in the know and give them their flowers while they're here to be celebrated. With me on the line right now, I have a man who has been in the industry I, since 1988 with a group out of Pasadena, California, with hits such as Mama Sita, My Heart, off the debut album. Then in 1989, Attitude was Spread My Wings. That's my attitude. I'm Not Soup, Jackson 5 cover, All I Do Is Think Of You. 1992, Deeper, the deal cover of Sweet November, Whatever It Takes, Strange Motel, the list goes on and on on the records on that album, and then Mayday. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one, the only, Mr. Rodney Benford from Troop and Keith B. Rodney and Keith, welcome to Beyond the Album Cover, gentlemen. Hey, man. Hey, hey. Glad to be here, bro. Man, I appreciate you guys taking the time to do this interview. Like I was telling you, Rodney, Troop has special meaning to me in my heart because Alan gave me my very first interview. So to be interviewing you right now, also had the chance to interview Steve, John, John, and Chucky Booker. It's, it's amazing, man. Hey man, you know what? God is good, bro. Thank you for yourself. Um, I appreciate everything, man. Like I said, God is good. And um, we still around so we could do a lot, a lot of more things, man. A lot of stuff we can still do. Yeah, all the time. God is good. We got to give him praise before we do this interview. So. First off, before we jump into troop history, how have you been holding up through the COVID and how's that's been affecting you knowing, you know, you're not been able to go out and do shows and things of that nature as of right now? Well, um, it, it, it's a, a, it's a lesson that I've learned because, um, sometimes, um, we don't want to be given instruction and rules, but sometimes you have to learn. You have to learn that that's what it takes. So just going through it and, and, and having some discipline and follow the rules. And also it taught me um, to write more. I've been writing, man. I've been writing songs and, 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 and coming into a pretty good writer, man. So it, 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 it's a good thing for me. You know, I know it's not a good thing, period, but for me, just, just, going through this worldly crazy thing and finding myself who I am and writing and, 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 and discipline. And it's, it's, it's working for me right now. Yeah. That's definitely a good thing. You know, given the circumstances, you know, you obviously don't want to be locked in because of everything that's going on with, you know, the deaths and people getting sick, but, you know, developing your craft, working at it and just getting better day by day. So I think that is the one positive out of this craziness, man. So let's go ahead and jump right into the troop history. Pasadena, California. A lot of great musicians, yep. authors, entertainers, people, what have you, from Pasadena, also home of the Rose Bowl. So how did you end up getting on, putting on the hits, which was like the lip sync battle of his day? And what was that reaction like when winning and knowing that Atlantic was reaching out and feeling like, hey, these guys got something? Well, you know, it actually, it starts with my mom. My mom, <laughs> crazy story, man, but real. I, I, I was young, maybe 14, maybe, 14 years old, and um, she would ask me to take out the trash and, and, and do things like give me some water, and I would just dance doing it the whole time. I would just dance. And it actually was her ideal to say, hey, well, why don't you go on this TV show, put on it? It was her, her ideal. 
And it was up to me after that to find a group, but it was her idea. She, she thought that I danced all the time and maybe I can use it doing something else. And that's how it really started from her, man, from watching me and watching what I'm doing and how I'm dancing. And she picked up on it quick and she, she called the TV show and got the auditions. And that's how it's, that's how it jumped off. Okay, so it was more of a call-in and referral and wasn't a cattle call where you would go audition at a local spot and get picked for the show? No, we did that also, but 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 just it kicked off from my mom. From We auditioned and we won, and we got actually on the show, but but to kick it off was her. So my, my, my job after that was to find a group and actually practice and actually go on the TV show and win. That was my job after that, but the kickoff was my mom. Okay, because I've seen the performance clip on YouTube of putting on the hits, you guys doing Cool It Now, New Edition, it's yourself, Reggie, and there were two other members of the group that were dancing. Who, who are those gentlemen? Well, actually, I break it down to you all the way. It was, it was three other members, which John John, Steve, and Alan wasn't on the TV show putting on hits. It was Rodney, Reggie, Skeeter, we called him Skeeter, Atron and Stewart, those the original members, how troops got started. That was the kickoff again, them guys. Okay, yeah, because I seen the performance in the popping and locking and knowing that at this time, West Coast dancing was very different than what was going on back East and in the South. Very big on the popping and locking and the influence of the lockers with uh, Don Campbell Lock, Jeffrey Daniel Shalomar, Tony Basel uh -huh. from Soul Train and Rerun that definitely had right. a big influence on your guys' dancing right. style. Well, Tony Basel, actually, you know, when we when we started dancing, when we, it started from the original group, the Putting on Hits group. I call it the Putting on Hits group. And a guy named Stuart, Stuart Bang, and he's still my good friend to the day, man. He taught me how to choreograph and to be in sync and things like that and to pay attention to movement, movement. And, and he taught me that. And um, after after Troop, the original, the, the Troop group um, formed, I was I was so into making up steps and being a choreographer, I, I, I did a lot of it. And <clears throat> it's funny you say Tony Basil because I took I took her to the spread my wings um, step, and she liked it. But she did her thing. Her and a guy named Doc Clark and Tony Basil they 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 rearranged some things and made it totally 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 professional. But I had a lot to do with a lot of the steps from day one, and mm -hmm. and, and we would always hire a, a choreographer just to make it tight, just to make sure we're extra tight. But most of the steps in the beginning came from me. Okay, okay. And for those of you that don't know, Tony Basil, bona fide dancer. She's more than just Mickey people. Google her. Now, you win putting on the hits. So how did Alan, Steve, and John John come in? Well, let me tell you that, but I do want to give props to Barry Lather and Jeffrey Daniels, who had a lot to do with some of the some of the some of the choreography I took to them and they changed too. So Barry Lather and Jeffrey Daniels and Tony Basil. I want to give give that now ask the question again sorry all right so how did alan steve and john john come into troop after putting on the hits well uh, i'm gonna start with steve <laughs> steve was um a celebrity walking around you know he, he loved michael jackson he loved 
to dance. He loved all the old type of music and heat wave, things like that. So he was in, he had a, um, a music class, Pasadena High School. He was in music class and I, I, I watched him. So I, I felt that Steve needed to be immediately in the group, immediately. Immediately. This is after the putting on his group, so I had a little hype, so I had a little power to say, "Hey, you want to be in my group?" I, had, you know, I wasn't coming to anybody with nothing. I had just went on a major TV show, and mm. I like Steve's get out. I like what he was doing. He had a, he had a lot of confidence, and it, it was going to help me. I knew it was going to help me down the road. And John, 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 John was in my sixth period, and. When he found out that Steve, which was one of his friends from dancing as kids, when he found out Steve was in my group, he kind of followed me home. And I didn't really want him to, but he did it anyway. He did it like the hell, I'm, I'm following you home, bro. And, 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 and he was good at harmonizing and finding notes and things like that and helping me do some of the choreography. He was pretty good at that. So I, I, my mom and, and myself liked John John. Now, Alan, see, Steve, Steve had um, saw Alan at the park singing one day and brought him down to the house because we was looking for another lead singer. And, and, and it's so crazy because when, when I saw him, I had already saw him at my house three or four times before Steve even met the guy because he was just coming down there saying hi to my sister and just, you know, kicking it with the family for a couple hours, things like that. And I already knew Alan. I already had knew him. It was just crazy that Steve brought him back. So I already knew him. So Alan was the last piece of, from me and Reggie being the original members, Alan was the last piece. Then Troop developed total respect of other people. That's what Troop means. And that's when everything happened right mm -hmm. there. Yeah, so what were those rehearsals like before getting the deal to Atlantic, practicing the dance steps, and did you guys cut your teeth performing locally, like at grand openings for businesses and things of that nature before getting your deal? Man, we did everything in the world, man. Every talent show, every outside park thing, every downtown LA, everything, man. So downtown LA would have some, I think it was called the street scene. They would have it every year. And we would perform there as kids every year, every year. But we would do we would do new addition back then. We were we were we were doing count me out and cool it out and things like that. And it just kept going, man. It just kept going from the, the putting on the hitch to the to the original group and to so so by the time we were about to um um see Atlantic Records, we were already like almost veterans in, in what we we practice every day, guy, every day. No matter if it's raining, no matter if it's too hot, and it don't even snow in California, but if it did, we would still practice. And and by the time they saw us, we was already ready, man. We was ready to roll. Mm, and that's what it is. It's that extra seasoning, that fine tuning. It's that prep work where if you keep constantly practicing, by the time it comes for your big moment, you're already ready. Yeah, see, we, we want to be really good, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that we wanted to, we already was good. We already was good. I'm not saying we was the best, but we were already good because we wanted to. So by the time we got with Atlantic Records, man, and did all that, man, it was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We were, man, we was already ready. Man, we was, we was practicing 
and we would make up. My mom would tell us this, this, and that's how I knew we was ready. She would go to the store. She would always feed us bologna sandwiches, man, and juice. And at the time, was, that was great. That, that was some great eating at the time, some nice, fresh bologna sandwiches. So she would leave and go to the store. And her words was this. You better have a step when I get back. Now listen at this. You don't have a step when somebody go to the store and come back, man, that's not, that's almost impossible, bro. You, you don't have a step that quick, but we did. Time after time, time after time, we had a step when she got back. So we were already, we were already groomed, man. We were, we were ready to go with anybody. Mm -hmm. Going toe to toe. I could imagine those early rehearsals being like how New Edition was in the If It Isn't Love video <clears> with <throat> Brooke cracking the whip and making sure they were right and tight. And you know what? That's what we did. We even went farther than that. So everybody listening, everybody, all the young groups, it's okay to take this. We went further than that. We we would do the whole step individually. Rodney's turn, Steve's turn, Alan's turn, Reggie's turn, John John's turn. Everybody had to do it by themselves. And it, that got on my nerves, man, because it was certain moves. Certain people did a little better. You know, certain moves. I want to do that like Reggie. I want to do it like Steve, but you can't do it like Steve because you're doing it by yourself right now. So we would do the steps by ourselves until everybody is validated that it was fine. And now come back, let the group do it now. And, and that's how we knew if, if, if everybody was on, if everybody was serious, if everybody was really down, do it by yourself. Let's see what you got. Wow. And it also kind of explains, too, when you have everybody do it individually to come back as a collective, you're not really staring at one person looking to lead it off where you know the routine by heart. So that's why we became equal when it came to dancing. Now, you know, everybody got different talents, but when it came to dancing, that's why it was almost equal because we would jog and while we're jogging, we're singing and we would dance and we would do the choreography by ourselves individually and yeah, we was already we groomed ourselves, man. We we really did. We didn't have like a big giant person watching over us, like a big name. What what I mean by a big name, and saying, "Well, do this." I've been around for twenty years and do this. We didn't have that, man. We just made it up as we went, and everything made sense. And here it is today. Yeah, and that it did. Were there any other labels besides Atlantic in the running for you guys, or was Atlantic always the leader in the clubhouse as far as signing you? Man, let me tell you. Before we signed, first of all, we did 110 demos back there were demos back then on the tape. You know what I'm talking about. We did 110 of them. We submitted to about 10 companies, man, and nobody bit. Atlantic Records bit. And it turned out to be winner, winner, chicken dinner for Atlantic with Sylvia Roan, Merlin Bob. Merlin now, Bob, yes. when I interviewed John John, he was telling me that the people at Atlantic, they were calling you guys the guys. And it was right around the time when Guy was about to drop. And they were like, okay, we got something special for these guys. And was it Sylvia Roan and Merlin Bob's idea to put you guys in the studio with uh, Eddie and Gerald and Mark and do Mama Cita? Well, you know, you know, Eddie... And Gerald had a great relationship with her. A lot of business was done through them, you know, and, 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 and. Yeah, because you all Drill, were labor mates. Yes. So, so the business was done. So Gerald was coming out as a, as a, as a writer and a producer, along with Mark Gordon and his dad, Eddie, 
and it just made sense to everybody, which I'm pretty sure the ideal started from Atlanta. Yeah, but it made sense to everybody. And we hooked up and we did Mama Sita and did a few more songs, but Mama Sita was the lead off. It was our sound. Gerald LaVert gave us our first sound ever was Mama Sita. And it, it was a great, it was a great, uh, sometimes man, you, you don't, when you're young, you don't see it. Later on, you see it. And it was a great hookup, man. It was one of the greatest ones that we did because that was our first sound. Now, Chucky Booker gave us my heart. All I do is thank you. Yes, he gave us our sound, but it jumped off from Joe LaVert, man, and, and, and Mark them writing Mama Sita. That was our first sound. Mm, and it was a big R&B smash for you guys. And how old were you guys right around the time of the debut in 88? I don't know. I think about 18, 19, 18, something like that. Okay, because I remember you guys performing Mamacita on Apollo. You guys had the sweaters, and when you guys did the troop dance, Apollo just went buck wild. Now, who idea was to come up with that signature dance? Well, you know, that was a that was a street dance, and it just so happened that the dance was out when we were out, and John John used to dance in these little crews, and I forgot. Don't get mad at me, John John, but I remember the T-necks and uh, something else. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the T-Necks, they were, they were different squads that danced. And John John was in one and he kind of knew at that moment, the latest dances at that moment. And we used it and it just, that's how Mama Sita came out. Now we used Barry Lather, who did Janet Jackson's choreography. We used him with that, but we already had a step guy. We had already, we had already finished the step and it was already done. The John John really kind of sparked that one up with his street dancing. Right, and then the chore choreography for Mama Cita, dope. The choreography for My Heart, who came up with that? I mean, that whole song and the choreography was just mind blowing. Well, that was Chucky's song. That was Chucky. And back to the same thing, I started it off. And there's a lot of steps that's still in there I did. I started it off. We got with um, Jeffrey Daniels and his assistant, I think his name was Casper. And they're the ones that did uh, Michael Jackson's, um, what's the one with the white suit and the hat? Oh, Smooth Criminal. For those of you that don't know, Jeffrey Daniel, we're talking about Jeffrey Daniel from Shalimar, yes. former Soul yes. Train dancer. Yes. yes, he did that. So it just made sense at the time. My heart, and he came in and he liked what we did. and. We explained to him that we just we'd like to take it to another level, and and he did what he had to do to make the the, the choreography a lot more uh, more more tighter than what we had it. But it started again for me, man. John John's help, Steve help, but all that started for me, man. And I'm glad we I'm glad we did Jeffrey Daniels on that one because that that taught me another style of dancing. Really, really, I mean, like immediately I said, oh, it don't have to be hip pop it don't have to be locking it could be modern and mm -hmm. jeffrey daniels man he, he he got that he got that my heart cracking like that man yeah he definitely did and the one thing about troop that everybody knows the choreography and we look at the choreography of you guys in new edition as being the tightest of all male r&b groups but with two 
distinctively different styles. New Edition's choreography, of course, you know, Brooke Payne came from the school of Shy Lights, Whispers, Blue Magic, Temptations, that school, while you guys had the same polish and tightness, but it was more street, but it was hitting hard at the same time. Well, you know, <clears throat> I always give my hat off to New Edition. Um, after you got all the old groups like the Temptations and all them, Stylistics, and then the, the, the grandfather to us is New Edition, to our, to, to our generation. And totally, total respect, man. I love New Edition, always, always have. If it weren't for New Edition, I wouldn't have never even want to be in a group. I just, it, it was because of them. But I want to be better dancer than them. And, and what I mean by that is back in the day, it's called stepping. No addition was temptation he stepping. We were dancing. That's the difference. And dancing is stepping, but I'm just saying you breaking it down. They were stepping. Great at it. But Troop was dancing, bro. On every note, every drum beat, every snare, we were dancing. That was the difference between New Edition and Troop. Yeah, because I can see it where New Edition's dance style is smooth, refined, polished. Your guys high energy, hitting the floor, sweat. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's okay because they were polished to the T and we were a little more grimy. Just a little bit more grimy than them. Which, if my hand went up like this, in new addition, everybody's hand supposed to go up, but our style of dancing allows somebody's hand to go up a second late and it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're saying. So what was your take when... New Edition incorporated the troop dance and some of their routines to If It Is In Love. Cause I remember them doing the troop dance when they performed If It Is In Love on Soul Train. Well, you know, it was great because, hey, they're my people, they're my guys, man. They did it. I know we did it before them. So I already know that. I'm not worried about that. I was happy that they did it, man, you know, but it was a couple of things that I learned from them also. And, you know, if, if it ain't the best, you don't mess with it. So if they mess with something we did and we mess with something they did only because it was good. Mm -hmm. Cool yeah. to me, bro. Cool. Yeah, d definitely that. Because I told Brooke this when I had a chance to interview him, and especially with Alan, Steve, John, John, and Chucky, I would have paid front row seats to see you guys in New Edition on a tour together in your prime. Well, well you know, man, um, unfortunately it didn't happen. I'm I'm not the leader, and, and and the guy that puts that together. I don't. I, I can tell you this from man to man. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, that was something I really wanted to do, far as becoming a part of this industry, and looking at New Edition, like wow, these guys, man. I love them. I love. I love their work ethic. I love them, and I just thought that. In my lifetime, I would have did a show with them. That's, that's my opinion. That's not I'm saying anything bad about anything, but that was, I just didn't get in the industry to do videos and have number one song. I really got in the industry to do at least one song, at least one show with no addition. One, at least one. It never happened, and I don't know why. So that's kind of like, uh, that's kind of, excuse my language, a little shitty to me. Right. Un understand that. So 
The album takes off. Mama See the My Heart, big hit. When you guys go outside the West Coast to tour for the first time, were there some regions of the country where you guys were surprised that you guys were hitting so strong at? Well, you know what? I'm gonna even take it farther than that because we had hit, we had hit everywhere, and and being young, no, I, it didn't hit me. I'm thinking just it is what it is. But I can say this: out out, out of all that international, when I went to Japan, and they were singing our songs. A lot of them couldn't speak English, but from hearing on the radio every day and buying a song and playing every day, you can you can still say the words. And when I went there, man, they was really singing our songs and and had had we had had did the uh, Mama Sita album, and then the attitude was next. So we actually went to Japan for two weeks, and we and we and we worked. We performed for two weeks. But it was actually the um, practice to come back to the United States for the Attitude album. So when I went over there and this one lady had her hands behind her back and she pulled the uh, Mama Sita album out, which was called The Truth. And, and, and it was just, you know, transpiring to the next album. And she took her other hand behind her back and had the Attitude, the Attitude album. That's when I said, wow, this is, Wow, I didn't even think you had it over here. You know, I just thought that um, it's still, we still riding off the Mama Sita, the Troop album. But no, man, we, we I went there and that, and that lady had that second album, The Attitude, and I actually took my chain off my neck and it was, I had it made. It was a gold and diamond chain with Troop, spelled Troop. I took it off my neck and I gave it to her because I didn't believe she had both albums. That's when I knew something is really big about to happen. Yeah, definitely that. Before we transition to the Attitude album, Keith, you want to jump in and talk about the choreo real quick? Yeah, man, it's like, you know, I didn't get to see all that what he, uh, you know, was uh, talking about in the early days, but, you know, I can attest to, you know, the seeing them, you know, make up steps, man, and, you know, not to jump ahead too far, but, you know, we were in Ohio <laughs> and DMX, how's it going down? <laughs> man, I sit there mouth hanging wide open, man. And th these guys made up a step. Just like he said, you know, in the early days, man, to how's it going down? And I'm sitting there going, man, these dudes is bad right here. I don't think it's anything that, you know, they put out, man. And, and I literally seen them, you know, make it up. I wish but had video recording, you know, back in the day, because, man, you talking about some behind-the-scenes footage, man, it would have been awesome. Yeah, definitely would have been. Uh, I know Al Heyman probably got some shots somewhere from the Budweiser Superfest back in the day. <laughs> so shout out to Al Heyman, still spending yeah. that Budweiser Superfest money. <laughs> so um, the one standout cut for me off the debut album was Still in Love. Beautiful ballad. Beautiful ballad. Standout, beautiful record. Yes. Um... And that was Zane Giles, Steve Russell, and don't be mad. It was over 30 years ago. I don't remember, but yeah, yeah. Still in Love was one of our our first ballads that we did that was really touching. That was one of our first touching ballads, man, when we started recording. Yeah, and uh, Still in Love was, it was actually one of my favorite, favorite songs, man. Still in Love came through nice. And, it, and, and it's so, so funny because a lot of songs like that, 
they, they came out of nowhere, man. You know, somebody saying, hey, listen to this track. And I got a melody in it, and it just came out of nowhere. Them, them, them good songs really came out of nowhere, and Still in Love was one of them. Right. And we're, now we're going to go into the Attitude album, which came out in 89. What was the process of going to the studio knowing that, okay, first album hit, we got to come back even harder on the sophomore album. And then also with George Spinnerella Irby bringing in a young Dallas Austin. Look, I think six months after the first album, I think six months we were back in the studio. Excuse me. So um, it was no time to, to sit back and enjoy anything. It was no time to notice nothing. I'm talking about from my perspective. Mm-hmm. It was no time to notice nothing. It was six months and our first album we did okay. So we did, we was able to tour, we was able to do some stuff. And after six months went by so fast, we was back in there doing another album and I'm like, Hey, we still got another single on this mug, man. We still got two more singles, but we were back in there doing it. And um, I, I didn't understand it then. I just thought, this is the work that you do, and this is what you get out of it. And early in our career, all we did was work. We worked, we worked, we worked, we worked. Christmases, holidays, we worked, we worked. The first four years, we worked. We didn't even know nothing else but work. So that's what I was kind of familiar with. So I never took it in. You know, I never, it's like, as I got older, some things I realized like, oh, wow, oh, but at the time, man, I was in a group and I want to stay in my lane. I want to learn about other things later. That's the route I wanted and had nothing to do with nobody else. That's the route I wanted. So a lot of the business, and, and, and things are current and, and monies. I, I wasn't really, really up on it at the time, man. I was just kind of letting it go over my head. And that's what I wanted to do because I had a plan with myself. So a lot of that stuff you're talking about, I kind of missed it. And, I, and then later on, I understood that was pretty big. Oh, wow, I went to Japan like five times, 14 hours on the plane there and back. Today, that's incredible to me. Back then, I thought I was just doing what they asked me to do. Right. You're just living in the moment. Yeah, and I loved it, though. Remember, I loved it. I would, too. I mean, you got girls <laughs> screaming for you. You're getting the parties for free. You got the adulation of girls wanting to be close to you, guys wanting to be you. It's the best of both worlds, bro. Man, look, accountants paying your bills. All you got to do is get up and go to practice or not and be in a group. You didn't have to do anything, man. It was just a wonderful life. So. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to jump three steps ahead. I wasn't ready. I wanted to stay. Matter of fact, I stay a half a step behind so I can see what's in front of me. And I want to be the best group member I can be before I even think about venturing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we mentioned Atlantic Records. Can we talk about the impact of Miss Sylvia Rome? Oh yeah, man. Hell yeah. Ooh, Sylvia Rome. Look, let me tell you, if you ever listen, Sylvia, I love you. I thank you for the opportunity of life. Growing up in this business grew me up better than not being in this business. I'm not gonna say it was all peaches and cream, but just doing other things and the way my mind was and the way God made me, I had to grow up in this business. I had to, I had to. And thank you for the opportunity 
you've you've took me around the world. You've taught me to generate money for myself. Today, you taught me by giving me an opportunity, and I thank you for it. And Sylvia Rome is a big inspiration to me as a as an older guy. And now I understand what the work was. Just the opportunity, just the opportunity, and, and and I thank her for that. She was a big part of of my life and still to the day. Thank you, Sylvia. Google Sylvia Rome, people. If you don't know her list of accolades in this business, is about as long or longer than a CVS receipt. Ooh. <laughs> so you know how long CVS receipts are. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's how big of an impact that she has had on the business, along with Merlin Bob. And we can go on and yes. on all the heavy hitters yes. in the business. So the sophomore album drops. You guys have yeah. I'm not suit. That's my attitude. Now, about that's my attitude. Who idea was it to get Teddy Riley to do the remix? And I believe it was a quill from Rex and Effect doing the rap on the remix, correct? Yeah, it was something yes, it was something like that. I think that came from Atlantic squad out there in New York. Okay, and the same thing with getting Clark Kent to do the famous remix to Spare My Wings? Yes, same thing, same thing. That's all that New York sound. That that came from them, yep. Yeah, because I was telling people, because outside of Clark Kent, um, Herbie Lovebug, who did work for Salt and Pepper, Kid and Play, nobody outside yes. of the DMV area didn't really use go-go like that. Now, I want to see if I can get a confirm or a denial of this about Spare My Wings. Now, when I interviewed uh, Chucky, he told me that Turned Away was originally supposed to go to you all. Yes. And he played it for Sylvia Rome. And Sylvia told him it's going on your album. And when he uh -huh. told y'all that, you guys wanted a song similar to that, and that's how Spread My Wings came about. Is that correct? Yes, it is correct, and that's totally correct. Um, Turned Away was banging, man, and we wanted that, but like I say, sometimes the, 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 everything is in, in, in alignment. Everything's in alignment, and it just wasn't for us to do Turned Away. It was for us to do Spread My Wings. No disrespect to Turned Away, but it just wasn't for us to do it. But Spread My Wing was the perfect song. He wrote it. And I think Chuck, I think, I'm not trying to put his business out, but I think Chucky maybe was going through a couple of things that I'm not sure if I can remember. And he came up with the great Spread My Wings, man. Right. Now, who idea was it for the video? I mean, the being on the rooftop with the helicopter flying, and then you all on the beach with the piano, and then that breakdown. I mean, I was just floored when I first saw the video. Like, man, these guys are getting off. Something serious. Man, you know, it was rough for um, the, 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 the um, record company. The... Um, video companies to understand for a minute because nobody knew how we was coming. Even the the, the, the Barry Lathers and, and the Tony, but they didn't understand. Nobody knew. Only we knew what we were, only we. So we were surprising people as we touched, as we touched them and we went through different segments as far as practicing, doing the video, getting number one song, et cetera, et cetera. We was touching people, man. We was. It, it was just, it was just something incredible, man. That now everybody don't have, every group don't have, everybody that make it. Some of them, 
probably really didn't deserve that spot, man, because of the love and the understanding from the other members. And 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 and, and no matter who, who don't see your goal, your dream, if it's Atlantic Records or whoever, I'm not saying they didn't see it, but we saw it more than everybody. We we saw it more than everybody, and it it, it was going to happen either way. It was going to happen, man. It was going to happen either way. It just so it just so happened to go through through Atlantic through that. It was going to happen because Troop was already we were sent from God, man. We was it was already done. It was already done, man. We we, we listened and we we was obedient. God told us to do this and we did it. Mm-hmm. And He said do this and we did it. Everything He asked us to do, we did it, and we was obedient. And so we were blessed, man. Right. And I want to go into the Arsenio Hall performance where you guys perform I'm Not Suit, tore up the stage. But for me, what was the highlight was seeing New Edition come out at the end and give you guys propers. For me, I was like, oh, my God, these are my two favorite groups of all time on one stage. And that was the closest we got to perform. (laughs) That was the closest we ever got to perform. But to answer your question, I'm being silly, man. But to answer your question, um, I think that at, at the time when that happened, that Arsenio Hall performance, in my opinion, from Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, Jane Brown, anybody, any, any, name anybody, Troop's performance on Arsenio Hall was one of the top performances ever. I'm not knocking anybody, guy. That's not what I'm here for. But that performance was one of the best performers ever in the world, ever. So we practiced for that. We knew what we was doing. We already knew what we was capable of. Falling to the ground, whatever. We already was ready, man. And when New Edition came out, I took it like, um, it was just saying, thank you, man. Thank you from, from being the group you are. We, we're breaking up because BBD was coming out. Ralph was coming out, Johnny Gill was coming out, and Bobby Brown was already out. So at that moment, if you know it or not, if people know it or not, they was kind of passing the torch, man. And I don't think our side of people picked up on that, which it could be from Atlantic to managers to whoever. I don't think nobody picked up on it. They was really saying here, and we didn't get it. And that's my opinion. So 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 that that was a great moment because it was passing the torch to us, man. Right. It almost kind of felt like kind of like how back in the day when the Celtics and Lakers were going at it, and when that team finally got over the hump, the other team gives them their respect and say, "Hey, go get them." Yeah, and that's what they did. They did it, and I'm gonna tell you something. It's 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 energy. It's it's the universe. They don't have to know they did that, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. It's what happened. And some people don't know it, but you 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 get no addition to to never do a show with Troop, never ever ever. But they but they come on Arsenio Hall after we did a great performance. It means something, right? It definitely does. But I felt your guys' best performance for me it was when you guys did live inside Studio A on BET, and you guys did Spread My Wings. The crowd's energy was nuts doing that whole performance, especially when it got to the breakdown section. Well, you know, 
like when you when I say performance, a performance is usually one song. We did on that BT thing, we did four or five songs. Yeah, because I remember you guys did I'm not souped, I will always yeah. love you. Yeah. So 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 I'm talking about one song performance. That was the best we did. Just mm-hmm. one song. Mm-hmm. But 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 far as like concert wise, oh yeah, we did a lot. We we did we did a lot of more a lot better than that in different concerts, but just that one performance, man. Uh-uh. I, I, that's in my heart, bro. That thing, that thing sitting in my heart. And then they came out, new edition came out too. That's 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 done, man. That's that's the hottest one. Right. Keith, you want to chime in? <laughs> uh, you, you know, you know, we was talking about that the other day, man. And you know, Rob brought that to my attention. You know, I was excited when I saw New Edition come out on the stage because see, I was new in California, man. So, you know, Arsenio Hall. You know, when he came out, man, I would not miss a show to, you know, Arsenio. And then when I heard Troop was on there, it was like, man, when, when I seen it, I was just like, wow. Now, keep in mind, I knew of Rodney and them at the time, but I didn't know him like I know him now. So, you know, I was kind of like a, you know, in distance, you know, real cool fan. We always played ball or whatever, but I respected his lane and everything. But, yeah, man, that was that, that was dope. Mm, definitely a dope performance. Now, for all I do is think of you, who idea was it to do the cover of the Jackson 5 record? And the one thing about that record, for me, I didn't know until years later about the Jackson 5 version. That's how much you guys took it and made it your own. Well, you know, we, we, we liked that song before we graduated high school. We loved that song back when we were young young guys but i believe and i don't want john john and steve to kick my butt about it but i believe john john kind of started it and steve took it and made it because 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 steve had did the um before chucky did it steve had did uh a demo of it and did it did it pretty good it was just a demo though and i think it started from john john saying we should do this, Steve, and you should do it over. Because Steve was learning how to, he was coming into himself and trying to write and produce and things like that. So we were like, you should do it. And we we had already liked the song, though. The song was like one of our number one songs when we was young guys. So since we liked it so much, it was just easy to say, hey, let's do this. But I think it started from John John and Steve. Okay, yeah, because I remember going back to Arsenio, he was in the middle of his monologue and you guys came in midway and did all I do is thank you. And I thought that was so dope how you guys did that. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> you get all my information, bro. Listen, I was young. I didn't understand the time again. What, it, what, what Why we didn't come in on the usual counting? Why we interrupted? I didn't understand until I got older. But that was all planned. That was planned to do that to Arsene Hall because he liked us so much. You know, he had started liking us so much. We're just trying to give him something a little different. Mm, and that you guys did. I mean, it's something that you rarely didn't see on late night TV. For those of you that's too young to remember Arsenio, his impact on late night TV, a TV in general, was something serious. What you see right now with all urban acts going on these mainstream late night TV shows, he was the only outlet where you could see R&B rap acts yeah. when it really yeah. wasn't acceptable on mainstream like with johnny carson yep. david letterman and jay leno yep yep you're right man you're right in our senior true i think five times the most appearances on our senior hall as a, as a group was true nobody did more than us 
thing five times, man. Right. And the only thing I'm envious of was being too young to catch the tail end of Arsenio when he went off the air, like around 93, 94. I was like, man, uh-huh. I wish I would have been a little bit older so I could stay up and tape and uh, watch Arsenio. Uh-huh. But it's all good. That's what YouTube is for. But I'm going to tell you the importance of you guys in the New Jack Swing era. So uh, Tony Luca, who was on the Mickey Mouse Club back in the 90s with JC, Justin, Brittany, Christina, they were saying that they were bumping you guys and a lot of the other acts of New Jack Swing, which made it all made sense. Where it's like, hey, these kids are listening to R&B and pop, mm-hmm. and then you hear them covering Don't Walk Away by Jade, Cry For yeah. You by Jodeci. I mean, yeah. that whole era played a huge impact. And then when I interviewed Danny Wood from New Kids on the Block, he uh, told me he had a chance to check you guys out in a show in Boston, was just blown away and always felt that they want they were more R&B than pop anyway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, well, you know, um, good thing that the a New Jack era came in. It, it came in because it was, a, it was a new sound for R&B, number one. It, it, it was a young sound, and um, I think the 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 R and B in the past was was probably getting a little old with the sounds and with certain melodies and stuff, which we all know that was the greatest music ever. But with with with, with time changing, New Jack helped a lot of people out, man. New Jack music helped a lot of people out, man, and. Hey, I th- I'm, I'm happy it came in. I'm happy that that sound came in because we were we were definitely a big part of that 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 new jack sound. Definitely that, and it's still loved and revered to this day. If you listen to Bruno's yeah. 24 Karat Magic album, straight new jack swing. We got the Wonderly podcast right now talking about new jack swing. It's just uh-huh. good to see that era still celebrated, still loved. And shout out to Target for using real love for their commercial just recently. And how did the okay. New Jack City cameo come about with you guys in Levert and living for the city? Well, you know that has something to do with the um, the movie New Jack City. We um, Atlantic Records again, which if I don't know, I'm sorry, I apologize. But Atlantic Records, um, they filmed it in New York, and um, some of some of the um, the people that were in the movie, like Chris Rock. And a couple other people were signed to Atlantic. And it only made sense to put us in it. Uh, Lavert, Troop, Chris Rock, it, it only made sense, man. So that's how we got that. It was more like a family type of thing that got involved in something really huge. Mm, definitely a love, revere, classic movie to this day. And before we go into talking about the Deeper album, a little fun fact for those of you that don't know, Trent Reznor, yes, that Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, just recently got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, was the engineer on the Attitude album, I believe. Wow, we, wow, 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 we. Wow, that is incredible, man. I know my stuff, man. I, I read liner notes. Wow, we, you're an incredible guy. <laughs> man, I, 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 when I tell you I'm a fan, I'm a fan. So did you guys have any interactions with him or was it more so of you guys do what you need to do, bounce, and then he come in and clean up? And when you saw Nine Inch Nails explode and say, hey, he was engineering on that album. Actually, you just told me something new. So I know I'm not going to lie and say I knew I didn't know that. No, yeah, but well, well, now you know. Well, it's great to hear it. Uh, congratulations to him. And 
you know, like I said back in the day, I just really did my parts and I respected everybody from any engineer. I don't remember anyone I do. I respected that and I did my parts and I was kind of done, man. I was just, I was just, I, I'm, a, I'm a team player, bro. And that's all I was doing. Right. I understand that. Now, I believe you guys are on the Wheaties bots, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Um, uh, Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts. How did that come about? 12 million boxes of Pop-Tarts we was on, 12 million. And that has some to do with our manager, which was Platinum Gold Productions and, uh, and Atlantic Records. Oh man, I did not know that, but I think the one that that would have been dope was had Campbell's would have came and got at you guys, especially because of I'm not soup and did a marketing campaign around that. That would have been so dope. Well, you know, let me tell you something, man. When you got all these adults around you, and you're just breaking into the to the music game, it, it takes us a, a, a maturity and a different head to think about them. The, the fellas wasn't, th- we wasn't thinking like that. It wasn't going to happen right then. Now I can, but it wasn't going down, man. It was the people around us probably just wasn't thinking like that, but it totally makes sense. Totally. Yeah. And that video dope. I mean, the guys at the barbershop. Now I want to know this personally. Was there a name for your hairstyle that you had where it was like kind of sloped on the side, had the little thing in the back? Because I had never seen that before, me growing up in North Carolina. So I wanted to know, was that particular hairstyle on the Attitude album that you were wearing, was that more so a West Coast style? You know what, man? I'm be honest with you. The Gumby was out. The, the Everybody had Gumbies. Bobby Brown had a Gumby. So I took that. I like my hair in the back. That was Rodney B style in the back. The thing in the front, I, I bit that from Steve when he was younger. I, I like that little, the, the, everybody says a bang, but I don't want to say that, but whatever it was, I like that. And the things around my head, the thing, I, I like I like how Ralph Trezvan was wearing his hair. So I kind of took three or four people's style made in mind. Right, and it was a dope hairstyle now going off of the success of the Attitude album, you guys touring and everything like that there, and then going into the process of Deeper. What was that process like? And then whose idea was it to bring back the Deals classic Sweet November for you guys to redo? Well, going into Deeper was was like, um, it was almost like make or break right now. It's our third album. Things is going on. And this is this is really the make or break. This is really it. To me, that's how I felt at that time. This is it. We got to come really good and strong on this album because there's other things going on in the business that's not too cool. So this is this the make or break, man, for truth. And when it comes down to Sweet November, that was another song that we liked. My, I have a sister named Kim. She lives in Indiana, Muncie, Indiana. And she she would come out here and visit us from time to time. And she would always bring that song with her, man. The deal, she would always bring it. So she introduced that song to us, my sister Kim. And we liked it, so we, we took it under our wing and said, we'll do it when we get a chance one day. And the day came and we did it. Man, beautiful, beautiful way that you guys redid it. And like, once again, like all I do, I didn't know about the Deals version until years later, which is off the Material Things album. So for you guys to do justice to two classic records speaks volumes of, of you guys. 
Well, you know, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing that we got that I, I'll notice. I, I'll throw it out there, um, and maybe it should be used in some kind of way where um, I don't know. This maybe it's kind of played out or, or it's old, but but doing remakes. I, I think Troop has a a blessing to do them. We 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 did we we did a lot of songs, man, that people don't even know, like. Um, the song so in love i'm so in love with you baby i don't know who sing it but we actually did that over one of our albums man wow what i'm what i'm trying to say is john john did luther stephen allen did michael jackson um the remake that they did we are pretty good at this man it's, it's maybe we should use it in another way or do or do more but we're pretty good at doing remakes, man. We're pretty good at it. Right. And the one thing that I didn't get to ask the other guys when I had a chance to interview them, but I'm going to ask you now, since now I have the chance. How did you guys end up singing backing vocals on Tender Lover for Babyface? Man, I'm going to tell you, my experience, that was just, that was just, uh, it was a, it was a, a favor for favor. We didn't know at the time, but we were, we were doing my heart in the studio. And I think LaFay Studios, oh, what's the name of that street? It's off of, Keith might know it. Do you know Keith? In Hollywood? Yeah. I think um, it's um, Kawain. Around, no. around the corner from Jim's, remember? I know. Yeah, I, I forgot, man. It's been so long. But it's right okay. across the street from uh, Hollywood uh, Warrior Records. Yes, yes. But uh, okay. Okay, anyway, we were doing um, My Heart. We were practicing, getting ready for the, to film the video. And Babyface walked in there, like I can remember like it was yesterday, bro. He walked in there and he said, hey, um, I need I need a couple of chants on my album. Like, oh, 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 oh. He needed some chants. And he stopped our video, basically. I mean, well, no, the rehearsal, wasn't the video. He basically stopped it, man. And we went right up there and got in the studio and did it right then and there and that's how we got on babyface album man because when i hear tender lover i was like man this wouldn't be too far off being a cut off of attitude you're right you're right man because i could imagine the choreography man that would have been so sick so dope now were there some songs that you guys could have had a chance to record but it ended up going to somebody else Oh uh, man, it was it's a couple of songs. I you know, like I said again, I just wasn't on it. I I I I I was in meetings and you know, you, you talk about this song or we we said no to a couple of songs and I just I don't remember but it it has happened, yeah. It has happened with us, man. And I, I don't remember who they went to and I don't remember what song it was, but it happened a couple times. Yeah, it's a common practice in the industry where songs get passed around. It gets sent to this person first, like, hey, you want to do it? No, yep. or we already got the album lot first rough cut turned into the label, and then it ends up going. So that's common in the biz. Now, when you guys perform whatever it takes on Arsenio, you guys had on the mic stands the blue and the red rags tied together. And I believe it was right around during the time when the Crips and Bloods had the truth. So this probably had to been right around a little bit after the Rodney King riots, I believe. Yeah, it was. Um, it was during the time when 
they were trying to make a truce. And I think it was around that time you said they were trying to, and, and, and um, we just thought it'd be a good idea since we're from the LA area, man. And we didn't see Crips, we didn't see Bloods all our life. We just thought it'd be a good idea to put the rags on there and whatever it takes. Hey, that's that's, that's what the song was called, whatever it takes. So we, we, we got involved in that a little bit, man. And that, that's how we you know, was involved with that, man, whatever it takes. Right, because I believe right around during this time, everybody outside of the West Coast got to sort of see through like Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood, all of those movies kind of like, okay, this is what LA life is supposedly like through those films. But then when you go up north to the Bay, it's a totally different feel, different vibe. So what's the difference between Northern Cal and SoCal by you being a California native? You know, the difference is me actually being around this more. I see it. I, I don't I don't live there. I don't I don't walk their shoes. I don't walk their life. So the difference is I just know this more because every place is rowdy. Every place got got ghettos, got um gang members. Um it's just that the difference is that I know what this side about. I don't know what that side about. That's right. really the only difference. Right. That's the only difference, though, because if if, if I, I I can't explain something that I don't live, I, I don't I don't know how they live up there. I, I can't even. I don't know. Right. So, so my difference with me will just be, I know my side. Right. Right. And California's still on my bucket list. I've never been. Definitely have to make a trip out. Now, you guys, yeah, I've never been to Cali. That's one of my things I want to do on my bucket list, man. Come out to California, man. Oh, we can make that happen, bro. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. I definitely got to go out see that California sunshine, all that good stuff. Now, speaking of Northern California, you guys went on tour with MC Hammer, correct? Oh, yes. So what was that like seeing him up close, personal, and being at the height with Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him and how he was able to do pop numbers and move rap mainstream. Wow. Um, incredible, bro. Just the energy, just the, the dancing, the, just he put it, he had a, such of a high level I wanted, I wanted it. I wanted, I wanted all that. I wanted the 20 million records he sold. I wanted the crowd to scream just because I took one step. I wanted all that. Hammer was, Hammer was, that was a good experience, man, because we, 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 we learned from one of the highest, the, the biggest popular entertainers at that time was MC Hammer. And Troop got blessed, man, to just go with him for like three months, something like that. Three, four months. And um it was big, bro. It was big, man. I I I learned a lot. I learned a lot. You gotta wait your turn sometime. You have to wait your turn and, and let, let the big ones do their thing. But Hammer was definitely huge, man. He was big. And you just don't that don't happen every day in life where you just call somebody and get on a major tour with a big person that sold 20 million records. It's not every day it happens. So that, that that was pretty big, man. That was great. Yeah, and I believe also on that same tour, it was Michelet and After 7, correct? 357, Michelet, After 
Yes, yes. Three, five, seven, true. Mitchell A after seven. Hammer. Yep. Yep. Yeah, dope lineup. People were probably paying arm and leg to come out to see all of that. Deeper comes out, does well, and then you have the split from Atlantic, and then the Mayday album comes out years later. I believe it was on Warrior Records, correct? I want to say. Uh okay, there's a there's a piece in there. We did do a record with Warrior, but the deeper album was mixed up between Atlantic Records, which they did everything, but we were we were making a move to Busted Record. That's that's mm-hmm. Lewis and Hammer's record, record company. Mm-hmm. And, and and we 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 did that move before we messed with Warrior Records. That was in between. And to me, unfortunately, I wasn't good. I wasn't, I wasn't, everybody make moves, man, it ain't cool. And it's, it's okay, because you learn from it. It's okay. It's nothing to badger anybody or be mad about. It's a move we made, and it was just not a good one. And it hasn't really been good since, man. I mean, as far as all our old records and, and our hits, people still appreciate them. But but far as like what we wanted to do, it was kind of, it, it, it was shut off right there. Mm. It was almost yeah. like we came out and we did real good and we was the best dancing group and that's what we asked for and it was done. Mm. Yeah. So so after the Deeper album, you, then uh, I believe it was a little something something that was with uh, Steve and Alan, correct? With, with yes. the little something something record. Yes, yes, it, it was um, it was with Meech. It, Demetrius Ship, his son Demetrius played Ship. Tupac and All Eyes on Me and Tyrone and All yeah. American. Yeah, it was with them three, and like I said, I'm not. It's nothing to be mad about or anything. I'm just telling. Yeah, yeah, it happened. That was, that was something that really happened. It, I loved all everybody. I'm not. I don't have a problem with nobody, but that did happen, man. Right. They came out with an album with three. And they called it true. And that wasn't good. Mm-hmm. That wasn't good. Right. You know, yeah. I, I, I think it's okay if you want to venture out, do things. It's okay. It's okay. But I think they kind of messed it up and made it real dark when they named it true. Mm. And once again, I want to stay on Beyond the Album Cover. We don't do no shade throwing. We don't do no throwing under the bus. This is all about no. giving people their respect and telling their truth. And this is what yes. we're doing on this platform. Yes. Yes. No disrespect to nobody. I'm past that in my life, man. I'm 51 years old. I feel don't look good. I'm, I'm, well, thanks. But I am. But I feel good. I thank God. I don't have time to say this person did this to me. A lot of it was me being slow, being slow. I don't have to make up no word. We can be honest. Just me being slow. A lot of it was me. So I don't have, I'll do it all again, bro. And, and, and let me tell you something. I'll do everything again and end up right here talking to you after 31 years again. Same thing. All the screw up, I'll do it all again because I don't want to do nothing and change nothing that I don't know where where the, it could have took me but i know where this life took me i'm right here talking to you right now this right. is where it took me yeah yeah man so um the mayday album comes out we have audacity like the way i parlay fly away great album great record and then also right around the early 2000s the lazy of truth 
was still being felt because we know Steve's pin game, production game, nasty. And when I interviewed yeah. Steve, he was telling me how Gas to Be came about for B2K was that he was talking with an exec at Sony and the exec was a troop fan. And he told Steve, give me a troop record for these four young men that I have on my label. And boom, Gas to Be. So it still feels like today, Troop's legacy is being felt, whether it's B2K doing the record Steve wrote, No Air, Jordan Sparks, Chris uh -huh. Brown, Naked, uh -huh. Marcus Houston, B5 covering All I Do. And then also to get into today, this will make you smile. The legacy of Troop is still being felt because your nephew, your nephew, Hit Boy, the hottest producer in the game. His credits are as long as a CBS receipt. Just did yeah. King's Disease by Nas, Benny the Butcher. Pretty much you can't turn on the radio today without hearing his production work. So what was it like seeing his rise and seeing that he's the creme de la creme right now as one of the hottest producers in the game? Well, you know, um, I, I can recall, man, when he was a young guy, about five, between five and eight, Troop was hitting. Troop was rolling. And I, and I had a group called BI, which means bad impression. Not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. I was I was managing a group. And we would always practice at my house. My house was always a practice spot. Sometimes we would use rehearsal halls, but a lot of times they came to old Rodney B spot to practice. So Chauncey, his name is Chauncey, but the hit, but his name is Chauncey. Him and his mom lived with me. I was kind of like, at the time, like, hey, just bring bring the kid here and and live here with me. Just let, I was doing it at the time, and he would watch, man. I noticed this young guy would watch. He would watch with this look on his face. I thought he was being shy, but he was taking it all in. He was taking it all in, man. He was he he wanted to. He came to me about 13, 14 and said, "Hey, I want I want to rap." And I laughed and said, how you going to rap? And you don't talk. You got to learn how to talk first, you know. We call him the silent rapper, man. We should laugh at him call him the silent rapper. And um, I start I started noticing that he got this, he had this crazy voice for a guy that never really rapped. And then I hear the first three or four songs and it sounded like he's dead freaking serious. I, I took serious, I took, I took that serious. And I became his manager, him and his group. He was in a, he was two guys called front runners. It was him and another guy, and I called him Top. And at the time, Hit Boy Dane was focused because it was only like 16, 15. So it was focus and top. And they were they were they were producing their own songs and and writing their own raps. And I said, Oh my God, this is I put I put my all. I was giving, I was taking them to I remember one time I took him to um, what was Jay Z's company? They had Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they was having auditions in L.A. and I took them there and we blew their mind, man. The the young guys was finna be ready and and Hit Boy just called me one day and said, "I want to produce, bro. I don't, I don't, I don't want to rap no more." And that's how that whole get down started. He didn't, he didn't want to rap no more, man. He just wanted to produce, and that's what he told me. If he remembered it or not. That's what was said, and he did very good at his choice. His, he made the best choice of his life. But that's what happened, man. And, and you know, the guy was just talented. He was just young, just focused, just 
nothing can get in his way. Nothing. And I saw it because that's what happened with my group. When I when I went and handpicked and said, I want this to go like this and I want this to be this way, he had the same that 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 energy, man. He had the same energy, man. And I saw him evolve, man, from three years old all the way up to today. He been he been doing what he wanted to do, man. But not, not to tip my own hat, but it, yeah, it started from his old uncle, man. I, hey, man, toot toot your horn, man. Toot your horn, man. I'm just saying, man, it started for me a little bit, man. <laughs> it, 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 it must be that Cali Swag, like I said, Hit Boy's at the top of his game right now. <laughs> Listen to any song, any record on the radio, he is top dog. So shout out to Hit yes. Boy. And I'm letting yeah. it known right now, speaking into existence, if you want to come on to Beyond the Album Cover, you got a spot, bro. I'm letting you know, Hit Boy, I got a spot right here <laughs> waiting for you, bro. <laughs> We looked that up for show, man. Later, we 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 work on that for show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Most definitely. Now, I also understand that outside of the music thing, you have a passion for the culinary arts, correct, Rodney? Like you like to get would, down in the kitchen. I wouldn't go that deep, but I'll say, culinary. I ain't gonna say all that, man. But uh, I like to cook. I like to cook, but you I just don't dish. wanna. Look, 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 I don't want to push the envelope just yet, but no, I can, I can cook. I can cook what I want. I, I'm all right. Yeah, I, I can get out a little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Okay. We got um, Ronnie's catering coming to a spot near you. Get your food <laughs> truck and everything like that hey, with the well, loading, with the kind of side of fries, all that good stuff. Well, look, I, well, look, well, look I'm going to tell you something. Some years back, it was some years back, but, but at, when Troop was actually going through their um, they sit down moment, which you know everybody do, but I had um I was living in a place called Monrovia, California, and I started a barbecue spot where it was it was at my house, but I had everything like the refrigerator and everything outside, and had it all set up nice. I had it, I did it for about like a year, and it was called Triple G's Get Grub and Go, and I was doing it only on the weekend. Like Saturday and Sunday, but I it did all right, man. It did it, it did okay. I ain't gonna lie, man. I'm telling you, food trucks is it's the way to go, man. As we see now, it's less overhead, and especially yeah. if you got the right spot. I mean, look at Trap Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the food is good, folks will know where it's at and know where to go to get it. Well, I'm thinking about getting back into it, man. When you know, once 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 everything is is right, and that, that's the kind of person I am. A lot of people think that I'm I'm slow, and maybe a little lazy. And I just do things at my time when I feel it. And everything I've done from putting troop together, from cooking, from working on my own stuff, it all is always at the right time for me. And I don't. I, it's not the right time for nobody else for me. So I will get back into that. Right. And if you need some taste testers, I'll be on the first plane smoking to California. <laughs> Okay, well that's how that's how we're gonna get you to California, yeah, there. Yeah, yes, right? sir. <laughs> give, give give me to try some grub and um take me to In and Out and Fat Burger and I'm pleased as okay. punch. <laughs> all right, all right, man. That's yeah, easy. Yeah, 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 man. Cause um the closest In and Out to me is in Phoenix. So every time my wife and I would roll out there, I have to stop by In and Out to <laughs> get it. And people would smuggle In and Out like it was like El Chapo moving work. That's how yep. In and Out is if you're not around it. Oh yeah, I, you're right. You, I, I've seen it like that, and um, 
we can definitely mess with some of that, man. I got a couple spots too that I could I could blow your mind a little bit. So when we finally link up, man, we're gonna eat some good stuff, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. And um, I heard about Bledsoe's barbecue that is on point because actually the founder he was on the Netflix reality show Great American uh-huh. Barbecue Showdown as one of the judges. Now, me uh-huh. being from North Carolina, I know my barbecue. So when I first moved out to New Mexico, right, and when I saw brisket, I was like, "What is this?" Because you know, in North Carolina, it's all about that hog. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's all about the hog. Keith, you probably know a little bit about that barbecue too, right? You can chime in. You do. Oh yeah. Uh, just just a little bit. Just just a just, bit. just just a little something something. Yeah 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 yeah. Just a little. Yeah, the only <laughs> thing I don't do though, I don't do chillings and I don't do pig feet. I'm just letting, <laughs> letting that be known. That's the only two things either, about the bro. I don't eat. Do you do greens? Do I do either? Do I do what now, Keith? Greens. Greens. Yes, I do do some greens. Oh uh, man, <laughs> when you when you go to California, then you got you got to get some of Jeans greens. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like my I like greens and I like, of course, the mac and cheese with a little bit of baked at the top. You know, a lot, a little bit of everything. But what really changed my life coming out in the Southwest food wise, I never had Mexican street corn before until I moved out here. Man, if somebody wow. would have told me how wow. the Parmesan cheese and the mayo just hits, oh man, man, man! I went to this food truck festival in Arizona, right? And it uh, was like two Elote trucks was popping, like the lines were straight long. And I'm like, man, people really love street corn out this way. Really, good stuff, it, man. It, it, yeah, it, it really hits, man. But that's the thing about California and just being somewhere different, you get to learn and experience different things. Now I want to circle it back to Gerald Levert real quick for a minute. Did you guys uh, have a hand in seeing Rude Boys and Men at Large before they took off since Gerald was working with them? Oh, we had we had ran into him. We I, I remember I remember the days when Gerald was was speaking about him bringing the group out, and we we met him before they came out. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I thought. That was kind of cool. Like I said, you guys were label mates with Laverne, also label mates with In Vogue as well. Yeah, we um, um that show you're talking about on BET Live Inside Studio A. They opened up for us at the time. Oh wow, that's crazy. And Chris Rock, it was Chris Rock invoked in truth. Man, to think about that that. lineup, that's crazy. It was that same show you're talking about. That was that same show. I remember, man, and um, yeah, we were we were hot then, man. And um, it was a and actually I think that was the first, am I right? It was Coca-Cola sponsoring it. I think that was the first time that that happened on there. And we we was one of the first acts to do that with Invogue and Chris Rock. Right. And what was your thought on seeing Dallas Austin explode, you know, once he came out with ABC with Aisha, Voice Man, Motown Feeling, and you guys knowing that, hey, we got a chance to work with him first? I, I, I wish that um, we worked with him when he was at his, at his peak, but no, I'm just joking, man. Um, the guy, the guy's been good since he was a young guy, man. He just His turn just came around and he took advantage of it, which he should have. And uh, I, I was happy for him, man. I thought he was always good, though. He was always good. Him and Joyce, they were a good team, man. So I was just happy that he got a chance to mess with them big artists like that, had them big songs. Because ultimately, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna make money, and you wanna make sure that your future is taken care of. So I was happy that he was able to 
I'm pretty sure give royalties to the day. I'm pretty sure. Right. And did you have a chance to do any writing and producing for any other artists? Me? Yes, sir. You. Um, you know, I, I've written on a couple of things. Um, I did the whispers with Steve Russell. It's called a big misunderstanding. One of the albums that came out 88, 89, something like that. I'm not sure, but I wrote a song on there with them, man, and um, a little writing here and there, but nothing never major where I had a single or anything like that. But but my first one was The Whispers. That's, that's huge. Yeah, and we talked about The Whispers earlier, you know, their style, very polished and smooth, you know, with Rocksteady, that was done by L.A. Yeah. Babyface, then Innocent. Yep was a great cut. And did you have any other opportunities um, to work with any artists that's from a different genre outside of R&B? Well, you know, um, no, well, I had a chance. I turned it down. If, you, if, you, if that's what you're asking me, yeah, I yeah. turned it down. Um, mm -hmm. Before my buddy um, Easy e died, which was my friend, I remember we had, we, when we were touring with Michelle and he asked me if I wanted to write, come to the studio and write some songs for some for some artists he had. And I, and, I, and I was scared, man. I said no. I was so scared. I didn't know. I wasn't scared of him. No, I was just scared of the opportunity. I wouldn't know if I was ready for it. I just didn't understand. The only thing I knew was truth. And I told him no, man. Oh, and I'm, I, I messed up. But yeah, I, I messed up one before. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, but like you said earlier, you, you live and you learn. And what was your whole take when the whole West Coast boom exploded with everything that was coming out of Death Row with Dre, Snoop, and everything? And then do you remember who the group was um, that you ended up uh, missing out on with uh, Eazy-E? I think it was um, a, a, a artist, a, a solo artist. It wasn't a group. I think it was a solo artist, and I don't remember who it was. But, you know, when... um. When all the rap start coming out, man, it just, it meant one thing. It meant that um, the stuff we were doing, Troop was doing, and, and, and a new age was coming in, and it was just taking over. Rap was taking over, man. It was just taking over. So I, I, I experienced being in a, a popular group with number one songs and things like that, and I experienced that rap took over so bad. I remember at one time we was just doing, when we were touring, we were just with all rappers a couple of times. All rappers in one damn R&B group on there. And, 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 and it it kind of hurt us. It hurt where, where, where um, R&B was going, but it, it, it is what it is, man. It, it, it took over R&B really bad, that's my opinion. And it was nowhere else to go for R&B to go, but the, at that time, remember all the good R&B music, the good artists, and just you hold on to that because rap took took over for a minute, really bad. Yeah, because I can remember um, I did an interview with DJ Cut Creator, and he was telling me how back in the days, a lot of the early rap acts out of New York, they would get brought out to LA through Uncle Jam's Army. So can uh -huh. you tell me about the impact of Uncle Jam, Roger Clayton, Egypt lo Egyptian Lover, LA Dream Team, uh -huh. and classic LA hip hop? Man, 
that stuff was look that that got this whole momentum started I, I was young and I used to go to a club when I think I was 16 and it was no drinks just for teenagers and it was called Maryland's Maryland Street something crazy and when I go there man they was playing all them artists that you named they were playing and people were getting up dancing and it was just a new sound um it was just it was just something new and 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 everybody liked it and and and, and for, for LA you know that made us that made us kind of one of the top go-getters in that sound we we know rap we know rap is is a New York thing from the start 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 we we know that but them artists, man, they 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 made they made it they made it they made it to be a. It's okay to be a rapper in L.A. Right, right, and we also got to talk about the impact of this little AM station that played rap all of the time. Fifteen eighty K D A Y, and you go to YouTube and check out my throwback interview with Greg Matt. Woo. Well, you know, you know what they did, right? You know they. I mean that 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 like again. That's the start. They they played rap music all day, every day, all day, and when you hear something every day all day, you tend to kind of like it. You tend to start saying, "Hey, this is it. This over here, this is it," and you you catch yourself since they playing this all day and every day, which is nothing wrong with it, not knocking it, but since they did that, now when you when you go. And you're driving to work and you're doing things in your car because it was it was the bomb to listen to music in your car off the radio back then. That was it. And now all of a sudden, you want to listen to some R and B, just it just wasn't it wasn't adding up no more. You know, it was just it was just kind of R and B was just sounding old compared to what the rappers were bringing and 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 the rhyming and the melodies and the music. It was just different, man. So it, it, it kind of made me feel like when I listened to R&B, it was kind of sounding a little old. Mm -hmm. And hopefully some of you all didn't get your butts in trouble by dialing that 976 number. You know the nah. number if you grew up in Southern California, that 976 number I'm talking about. No, nah, no, nah, not me. <laughs> yeah, because if mama saw that bill, you'd be like, what's this 976 number? Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you know, no, you know, I, if you grew up in Southern California during that time, or the 1-900-800 numbers being on the party line. Now, I didn't know uh -huh. this until I watched this documentary called United Skates on HBO. DJ uh -huh. was talking about there were two prominent skating rinks in LA. It was, uh, I can't recall the name of the venues. I'm not even going to try. But they said uh -huh. that both of those rinks were in the middle of Crip and Blood territory. And one of the rinks Skate ended Johnson. up... Yeah, it was something like that, but one of the rinks ended up being kind of like a neutral spot where the gang uh -huh. would say, hey, we're not going to rock our colors here. Uh-huh, well, I, I I didn't skate. I didn't skate, you know, and, and, and not only that, it's like just the kind of person that I am, even if things are really cool, but if it's anything neutral where anybody can come in, <coughs> I usually didn't visit them spots. Not a lot. Yeah, I usually didn't go because because I've all, I always felt like I got something to do here. I got some things to finish, and you know I just stayed away from that, man, much as I could. So 
I never gangbang or anything, blood or crib. I lived around bloods from being in Pasadena because that's where bloods are. But no, I never got into that, man. So the skate ring and all that neutral junk, I, 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 I didn't fit in. I didn't fit into that. Yeah, I wouldn't fit in either. But it also reminds me of how back during those days, the gangs would give, like, if they saw kids doing good, had potential to get out, they would give them a pass. And they'd be like, no, 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 leave him or her alone. They're going to go yeah. do something. Let them roll through. <laughs> I got a pass one time. Um, I was 16. I was sneaking to, to go to take the the RTD. That's what it was called back then, the, 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 the city bus to L.A. And my bus broke down. I think like on 120th and Broadway, which I didn't know what the hell that was. But now I know uh, it was it was it was some Crips. And when my bus broke down, I I would start walking, and I had red on my shoes, and I I didn't get it, man. I didn't I wasn't into dressed in red. I just had red on my shoes. Oh, they wasn't they saw me walking, bro, and they, I remember it was three gang members on a beach cruiser. They all was on that one beach cruise. I knew it was trouble when I saw that. I said, this ain't good at all. This ain't good. And they came up to me, asked me where I'm from. I lied a little bit and told them I was from such and such. And they took my wallet, they took my hat, and they saw Pasadena on my, on my ID card, right? <laughs> They're like, oh, cause you, you if you're from Pasadena, they think you gangbanging and you don't even have nothing to do with it. But that's what, if you're from there, and you step into um, somewhere in LA and there's a crib neighborhood, you you are a blood regardless. If you're not, you are. So when they saw Pasadena, they took my um, hat, man, and they, they gave me my wallet back. And the dude said, we're gonna let you go, but you be careful. And right when he was talking, pow, he socked me in the jaw. And they all got on the bike and they all rolled up. And I, and I said to myself, they just gave me a pass, man. Them yeah. dudes just gave me a pass. And so I understand about the past stuff. Yeah. They, right. It yeah. kind of reminded me of that scene in the wood where um Big Mike and them went into the look to the corner store and it was in a blood neighborhood, but he had on a Carolina Tar Heels hat. And they'll tell yeah. him, like, yo, you gotta take that hat off. Cause you're thinking yeah. you're from the south, you're not from the West and don't know the protocols. And you're like, yeah. Man, I better take this off because it could be life or death, you know. It's true, man. It's true. And sometimes when you don't know. You just don't know, man. It is you setting yourself up for for the older the older cast or people that's involved in it at that time. You setting yourself up for them because sometimes people really don't know, man. They just and I'm one of them. I didn't I didn't know. I knew about it, but I wasn't about it. Yeah, cause they could spot out somebody that ain't from here in a minute. That's why they gave me a pass. They'd be yep. like, Yeah, you ain't from around here. You better get on out of here. And, yeah, um, and, and we hear about the stories about countless times about people being at the wrong place, wrong time, gunfire, bullets not meant for them. And, you know, with everything that's going on and with the craziness with COVID, it's all important to spread love, man, not hate. Exactly. That's all I'm about. I'm not about negative. I'm not about grudges. I'm not about knocking somebody else down. That's not at all how i grew up you know not at all i'm not even on that man i wish everybody everybody success and just, just the sad thing about it that a person like me probably can't get that back from everybody right 
All you can you do know? is just give what you give, and it's theirs to receive. You you did your part. And that's what I say. Peace, man. I'm 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 okay, man. I'm all, I'm all right with Rodney today. I'm 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 happy. I'm happy when I'm learning. I'm happy when I've learned. I came a long way, man, from being a a guy that was kind of shy and not caring about things to a very understandable man. And 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 I like it, and it's good. And I can I can teach people, and I can tell them things that totally make sense. I don't have to lie to kick it ever again. I, I, I'm just be myself from now on. Right. It's all about matriculation, learning, and growing. Now, L.A. is on fire right now. I mean, the Lakers took home the ship. The Dodgers took home the ship. And I saw the celebrations after the Dodgers won. I mean, L.A. is just on on a high yeah. right now with being back on yeah. top of the sports world, especially given what happened, you know, with the passing of Kobe. Yeah. Well, you know, um, like I always say, brother, things are just lined up. The lineman is right. Uh, I've said it three or four times. The lineman is right. And, you know, the passing with Kobe, it was just lined up for, for us to win. You know, I mean, well, I don't even know what to say about that. Some of this stuff is so big, man. It's so much bigger than me and how things happen and how you put stuff out there in the universe and it comes back to you the way you put it out. It was just everything. A lot of stuff is in line, man. That's all I yep. can say. Rams, you're on the clock. The Dodgers and the Lakers did it. Rams, you're on the clock. Bring on the Super that's my Bowl. Favorite, that's my favorite team in the world, the Rams, man. They looking shady, but we're going to see. Yeah, you're doing better than my team, but it's given that it's a rebuild year for the Panthers because we got a whole brand new staff. So um, uh-huh. I think in the next two or three years, we're going to be right. But um, it's it's a struggle this year as a Panthers fan. Now yeah, – yeah. Go ahead. Hey, y'all be all right soon, man. Don't yeah, worry we'll, about it. We'll be good. We'll be good. Keith says his team is the Cowboys. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> I ain't going to say no more about, about, about your Cowboys, man. But pretty much everybody out here is either a Cowboys or Broncos fan. Now, I'm neutral. I ain't got no dog in that race. But I'm a diehard Panthers fan. So uh-huh. whenever they come on nationally, <laughs> I get a chance to see them. In college, I'm a Tar- Carolina Tar Heels basketball fan. We just took an L to Texas the other day, but it's all right. We're Carolina. We- we'll be all right. But all um, right. the one thing <laughs> I do want to talk about real quick, talk about the single d- that you get. Is it in the works or um, is it something that's finished or is it still in development? Um, It's, it's done. It's done. I haven't, I haven't, officially put it out yet but it's my song so i can do the hell i want to but it's not out yet but but i think i'm thinking the beginning of the new year maybe the first week or two of the new year um it's called ride with me and me and my brother and a guy named milton he's a hispanic guy he's an artist and he's a producer he's good his his name is milton he's out of houston we wrote it hit boy did the track and the song is done. I'm just waiting on um, my time. Like I said, I'm just waiting on my time. But 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 it's a good song, man. Um, it's my first single, and we're gonna see how this go. All right, we're definitely looking forward to that when it drops. And then also another thing that we can look forward to is when the world opens back up. It's seeing Troop out and about doing shows. Cause to be honest with you. I've never seen you guys live, and I want to do that. 
Well, we can make it happen, man, when all this junk clear up, you know, um, no problem with that, because that's, that's what we do, shows. That's our whole life, man, shows. So then, that's not a problem. As soon as all this stuff is clear up, man, we probably we link up, bro, and we make a couple things happen, man. De- definitely that. And like I said, for me, it'll be full circle, you know, to see you guys and to tell you guys thank you, not only for the uh-huh. joy that you played in my life, you know, listening to your music, but giving me my shot in media, you know, interviewing you, Steve, uh-huh. Allen, John John, Chucky. I still find yeah. myself in amazing saying, hey, I turn 35 next week. Who would have known that being wow. from rural northeastern North Carolina, watching video soul, watching <laughs> your videos, trying mm-hmm. to dance like you guys, having the <laughs> singles from Camelot music. Don't try those dance moves at home, though. You'll bust yourself in the head. Yeah. Or the lean. <laughs> Don't do the lean. It's like the formula, the Coca-Cola formula, the Pepsi, and the Colonel's 11 herbs and spices. Not everybody can pull off that lean. And I'm not going to ask you to divulge the secret because it's all about that learning that mystique but i just say this to say you know from a fan thank you and thank the rest of the guys and chucky for the joy that you guys have given me and music fans around the world and um appreciate you man um like i said god is good things that meant to happen is going to happen just just as people we should appreciate the little things appreciate the things that keep us ticking from day to day, man. And, and it's not always the big things. It's just the little things you'd be proud of, man. You know, some people be sad because they only got $100 in their pocket, but be happy as fuck that you got the $100 in your pocket, man. Be happy. Be happy on purpose. Be happy. Be happy, people. That's all I got to say. Be happy. Right. And Keith, that will not be a problem at all. We'll talk more about that after this concludes. Now, I also forgot to mention Cameron sampled Spread My Wings. It was off of a mixtape that he did some years back. And then Fat Joe sampled I Will Always Love You for his hit single, Another Round. So that just goes to show you that, like I said earlier, Troop's legacy is still being felt to this day because everybody's saying we're either going to go back to the well and sample or recreate (laughs) All I do is think of you for a surprise wedding proposal or to spread uh-huh. my wings video. Cause I just saw a young man by the name of Jack. He has some reaction videos and he just did a react video to spread my wings. And he uh-huh. looked like he couldn't have been no more than maybe 14, 15 years old. And it made my heart say, Hey, real R&B will never die. Wow. Good stuff, man. You know what? Can I throw this in there real quick? Yes, sir. The, um, the another round. With Fat Joe and Chris Brown, mm-hmm. we actually did a whole remix. We actually went and sung the the our, day and night. You're on my mind. We sung the whole. They did a whole remix, but when 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 it was offered to us, it was too late. Nobody never heard it. We actually singing on there with them, man. Oh man, dope. And speaking of remixes, I want to get this last one in before we wrap. Uh, there was a remix of "I Will Always Love You" that I believe probably only get airplay out west it sounded very similar to naturally mine by i'll be sure now i wanted to know was that version specifically only targeted for the west or did it get airplay in other regions because i believe it was probably part of a maxi single that was either on cd or cassette well you know sometimes um your 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 music it's, it, 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 it goes to certain places where they really like it. Sometimes you have no control over 
the Midwest or the East. Sometimes they just go somewhere and that's just where they dig your they dig your stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? They really like it certain places. So it wasn't it wasn't like geared to go to a certain place. It's just sometimes that's where they pick up on it, man. And that's what happens sometimes. Yeah, and that's goes back to regionalism where certain records mm-hmm. would pop in certain regions and it would get a yep, bigger yep. pop out of certain spots. Now, before we wrap this interview, do you have any shout-outs you want to give before we conclude? And also plug your social. Then, Keith, you can do the same before we wrap. Well, you know, um, like I say, I'm 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 Rodney of the Troop. You can find that on every platform. Just say that Rodney of the Troop. I'm. You can find me. You can look for that. My stuff will be coming out next month sometime. So, give me a minute. But I'm coming with it all. Um, I just thank God, man. I just thank God for you for giving me an opportunity to to hear my voice because. I, I like like I realize I, I wanna I wanna I want my voice to be heard now, you know. And thank you for giving me the platform to do it. I thank Keith. I thank my group. I thank Steve, Allen, John, John, and Reggie. I thank them. And those are the people that I've been knowing all my life. Those are the people that's been beside me ups and downs. And um, I'm just grateful to know them kind of people, man, that's, that's in my life. And I'm kind, I'm just cool with everything, man. I'm, I, I love everything, man. I'm like, I said, I'm a good guy. I'm just, I'm just learning who I am. I just want to be out there and just, just my voice being heard, just talk, just do music, just write songs. And that's just where I'm at, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with everything, man. I don't have a problem with shit. Excuse me, but I don't, I'm all right, man. Right. That's definitely the truth. Now, Keith, you have anything you want to say before we wrap? I uh, mean, I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity, man. Thanks to you, to Rod. And then, you know, I got to give a big shout out to Big Ing, man, because, you know, yeah. it was it was because of him how this whole thing got started. But that'd be a whole nother story, man. And we'll definitely have yeah. a part two. Don't got to worry about that. You can catch this interview on all streaming platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, yeah. wherever you get your podcast. And the video version will be available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash j85 be sure to go to facebook.com slash beyond the album cover for all show updates ladies and gentlemen mr rodney benford from troop and keith b thank you guys for coming on thank you peace baby thank Thank you man appreciate it problem not a problem